Hello and welcome, parents and anyone that is someone who cares about kids and what they are looking at and taken in in this world, especially on their devices these days. So welcome to the Kids, Teens, and Technology class that we are highlighting today. I'm here with my friend and colleague, Josh Lease, and from our little room to your little room, welcome to the Room to Grow podcast. Yeah. Uh, so welcome, Josh. Thank you for Excited. being here yeah. with me. I'm We're excited to chat, talk about it a little bit. Yeah, I am too. I'm so grateful we get to do this together. A few months ago, we kind of started talking about what this could look like to uh, talk about the challenges of technology in the lives of kids. You and I both work with kids, um, have different lenses around that. You being student ministry pastor here at Christ the King Bellingham. Yep have quite a view into the things that kids are dealing with and this being one of them. And so when we were talking about this a while ago, I as family ministry director here and also a parent, you're here working with middle school, high school kids. And yeah, I want to say up front, I am not a parent. So you don't have to listen to my (laughs) advice through a parent's lens. I don't have that, but I do have, I think, a unique lens in being able to see what teenagers experience kind of Mm -hmm. their daily life in the context of our ministry. But yeah, I do want to say up front, I do not have kids in that way, but uh, <laughs> but still, I'm excited to be part yeah. of the conversation and hopefully give some insight. Thank you for that disclaimer, Josh, and we need you. Yes. <laughs> for sure. Thanks. We do. Because also, as a parent, I can say too that, that the people that are working on the front lines, like you and your amazing team, working with Middle School United, High School United, you are getting to have awesome conversations with kids that maybe we aren't having at home, and they're letting you in on things that we wish that our kids might let us in on. So I'm really glad that we could come together with a different vantage points that we have totally. as we care about this whole beast we call technology. Yep. It can be good too. We're not saying this is the enemy, but we also do know that the enemy can use this. Yep. And yep. that is a very real thing that we want to try to help combat in the lives of our kids and help to give parents and other caregivers around our kid, these kids' lives the tools, the encouragement, the confidence to be able to build on, to have conversations, the hard conversations, and be able to instill limits, boundaries that are helpful for and with the kids that they care about. So wanting just to say we're in this together with you, Josh and I are just wanting to unpack some of the difficulties that we're seeing. And we are also facing, I would say too, like we face too, as humans, even as adults, the strongholds around the devices that we have in front of us every day, that it's not just our kids that are struggling, but it's adults too. And that we are really looking at how we can bring health to our own relationship with our (laughs) world of technology. Yeah, I think that we really want to have a dialogue with anyone listening. I feel like if you clicked on this, listening to this, you probably already have some awareness of the like difficulties that teens, kids are experiencing when it comes to screens, their phones, different things like that. But also, like Seidel said, we do not have all the answers. We want to have a dialogue about this today. Hopefully, we can give some insight. But it is still presently a struggle in my life trying to tame the beast that seems to be my phone or the screens or the things that influence me. And so uh, I want to grow in this as we talk about this too. So I'm excited. Growing together. Topic, yep. Me too. It's what it's about. So Josh, we decided we're going to talk about what it means to be weird, that we're called to be weird. Yes. Can you talk about that? Yes, yes, absolutely. So scripture talks a lot about, this whole conversation is obviously through the lens of being a Jesus follower. So I think that people are pretty aware. I think there's a pretty common language about the difficulties of devices and the difficulties of phones and different things in modern society. But our lens is specifically around like, well, what's it mean for us to follow Jesus when it comes to these things? And how do we help students, how do we help kids have a lens of what's it look like for them to follow Jesus in this? 
Uh, so it's not just a thing about screens are bad or this is good or just a morality yeah. conversation, but it's definitely a conversation about like, what's it mean to be Jesus followers. And so inherently, Scripture talks a lot about like we are aliens and strangers in this world. Like if we are followers of Jesus, guess what? We're weird. We are inherently called to be different than the culture, than the stream of the world that is going on. And so I think this is something that we've been talking about that I heard from a pastor where he was talking about just how he helps his kids. And he's like, you know, I don't have all the answers, but this is what we're trying out. Mm-hmm. And he talks about how like from the jump, the conversations that he has with his kids are like, hey, we're different than other families in our community, that there's going to be kids who are going to start dating a lot sooner than you. There's going to be times where they're going to have phones that are a lot earlier than you. There's going to be times where they might have social media and you don't. And I know that's going to make you feel a little like you stand out a little bit and that's hard and that could be difficult. But the conversation around like as Jesus followers, our priority is to help you become more like him, to follow him, to utilize these things, and to be for you and for your protection. And so, uh, I think it's really important that we recognize that there is a tension in the ways that we might use devices and screens as Jesus followers versus the rest of the world. And that tension, I think, feels really real to, to myself, but also to parents that I talk to, where uh, I think that they're aware that They don't want to make their kids feel weird. They don't want to make their kids feel like they're different or stand out. But when we talk about the real, present, actual dangers that some of these things have on our students and on our young people, I think that up front, we have to make a commitment to being a little different or being a little weird and helping give context to our students of why we do that and that it's about actually loving them and caring for them and supporting them and protecting them. And so that's not a lens of like, oh, it's all evil or bad or anything like that. But how can we help our students have discernment and wisdom and teach them things so that they can navigate the forces that be Mm -hmm. in a way that will form them to become more like Jesus rather than deform them? Exactly. Uh, Yes. And normalize it. Yes. Too. So it's an ongoing conversation they get used to. And it's not so foreign. Yes. You know, to hear that when they're hearing so many voices from the world that are becoming more normalized to them. Yes. Our voices still matter more. Yes. And they still are coming to us. Absolutely. To hear us. I wanted to read a couple of scriptures just through that lens. Like First Peter talks about uh, in chapter 2, this is, Dear friends, I urge you as foreigners and exiles to abstain from sinful desires which wage war against your soul. Live such good lives among the pagans that though they accuse you of doing wrong, they may see your good deeds and glorify God on the day he visits you. So there's a clear even urging there as foreigners, as exiles in this world, Live differently, abstain from the things that might be conforming us in different ways. And Romans 12 continues that kind of idea. It says, do not conform to the patterns of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you'll be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. So I think it's just really important that from the start of this conversation, there's a context for recognizing that we're weird, that we're different, and actually that's what we're called to be. Yes. Uh, as followers of Jesus. Yes. And to have our mind renewed in Christ, it takes work. And it also mm-hmm. takes courage on the part of the people that love us mm-hmm. to be able to make that leap of faith to say some hard things yep. that may be taken <laughs> in ways that are going to hurt. Yep. And I think we have all been there, um, parents or not, where when we impart some hard things you know, in kids' lives, in their world, and and say it out of love— they might not interpret it as love, and they might push back or worse. Yeah. So it's it's a it's a there's risk. There's total risk involved, and I think that that there's a 
invitation to being in conversations with your students in those moments, because I think that's what's actually really helpful for especially teenagers that I work with. I think what's really helpful is that we recognize the cost that they experience in that, yep. that it isn't an invitation that is without cost right. or without hardship or without pain. Yep. And there is something really real to being empathetic to that experience that your teenager might be having. And so there is an, a recognition of like, yeah, the way that we might treat this as a family or the way that we're asking you to live it a little differently does actually have cost. But I think it's also important to point out the benefits of that, to point out things like, you know, there's going to be drama mm -hmm. that is going on in the locker rooms, around schools, around different things. There's going to be tears that you're going to be saved from. Yes, there's going to be a definitely. lot of things that you're going to not have to partake in mm -hmm. because you don't have that and you don't have that following you. I think other benefits, like when I was a student, you could leave school and all the drama and just like go home. And that doesn't really exist anymore. Like it follows you on your phone all the time. And so what you're also doing is helping students understand that there's benefit to not having this thing on you all the time and not being in the know of everything all the time and actually like slowing down and being still and like being present. That's a picture that you do have to paint a little bit of like, what are the benefits right. of this? Because I think it is really important that students know the why and not just Absolutely. The, the what. They're so smart. They so need smart. that. And if we're just going, here are the reasons why not to do it. Here's X, Y, and Z. Um, and without the benefits or without the care around why it's better for them. But I would say, too, it's a process and it takes time. And it's it's kind of like when our kids are babies and we're trying to get them used to a certain food and they don't like it. And I think it's something like it takes 17 times or something, you know, for them to even go, do I like this? And then maybe start eating something. We can't give up. That's what I'm going for right here is yes. that it's hard though to push through and to keep going, but it's worth it. Yep. It is so worth it. And that's what we want to come together and say, it is worth going after what's most beneficial, especially for our kids' souls as Christ followers. And they might want to hear it, might not want to hear it. The next thing we want to kind of talk about is discerning practical steps around beginning this posture and also to be able to take a look at how we are living as adults. Mm -hmm. And taking a good look at our own tech health and does our life share an alternative to the one that is being marketed? Because we've talked about this a lot, Josh. Like we are seeing, especially our kids from tiny ages through teenagers and even now as adults, we're seen as consumers. People are out to grow as much as they can in front of us so that we would buy into something. How do our lives as adults reflect a different yeah. way of being? Yeah, I think that's a really important piece of the conversation because if we aren't modeling an alternative way to living, if we're not existing as non-anxious people in this world, if we're not existing in ways that are showing a different, good, flourishing way of being, then it's going to be really hard, I think, for students to buy into that because what they're seeing is what everyone else is already doing. And that's a vision for life that seems to be like, okay, I want to be connected with friends. I want to be in the know. I want to do these things. I want to be entertained. Like, those are obviously all desires that we have. But if we, I think, as adults aren't willing to do that on our own, then it's really hard to ask students to do that with us. And that's exactly. a key word, I think, doing that with us. Because I think that if this is a conversation that is just about telling a student, do this, don't do right. this, do this, yeah. don't do this. Yeah. Rather than helping them see that you're in it too, that you're trying to figure out how to have wisdom and discernment right. around uh, slowing down your life mm -hmm. and discernment around your phone and the things that you take in and using discernment about 
what you look at and uh, how it affects you. It's going to be hard for a student to learn how to do that because it, it's really important that it's modeled to them. Right. Absolutely. And so uh, I would say one of the biggest things that we can do first before even getting to our students is actually examining and auditing our own life yeah. and going like, huh, how does technology influence me now? Like, how do I spend my time? Am I always hurried? What presence does my kid get from me? And what do they see when they look yeah. at my life? Is it a life of stress and anxiety and hurry and going and distraction? Or is it a life that is grounded mm -hmm. and has peace and you're practicing rhythms of slowness with the Lord and you're, you're demonstrating a way of being that I think it's pretty unique in today's day and age. It is. It is. And we talked about that being really a foundation that we can build on. And we'll talk more about that slowing down piece, but it is true. Like, what are our kids seeing in yeah. our lives? Um, even just the little details, like what are we doing on our own phones or our own bigger screens that we can do in a different way, you know, that doesn't include a screen? Um, because I think that we're asking them to give up things. We need to show them that we have the self-control, yes. the ability, and also that it that it matters yeah. to us that we have health around it as well. We're not just pointing at them. I like your whole idea of the with model of let's do this together. We're in this together. Yep. And then they don't feel so maybe attacked or um yeah, they see yeah, that we're out. humble too. Absolutely. Yes. Yeah. yeah, because I think I was looking at some stats earlier. Most students like actually are aware that they're on their devices too much. Like they'd self-report like, yeah, I, I spend too much time on that or my generation spends too much time on that. So it's not even that most of them need to know that it's like too much. It's that they actually need practical exactly. help and a vision for what to do with their time and attention in ways that is different, that is healthier. Yes. Yep. Yeah. Yep. So true. We also want to drive home to that. We're going to mess up. As adults, as kids, we're going to mess up. So if we are going to put some things into practice, you know, parameters around tabling our tech usage, whether it's our phones or our PCs, our laptops, whatever it might be, uh, or our gaming, you know, devices, our yeah. Xboxes, we need to make sure that we have room for grace in the moments where yeah. we fall short where yep. we mess up, where we need to try again, and we need the grace around that. And I was looking at this first, Second Corinthians 6.18, and it says, as his children, we are given the gifts of his limitless mercy, love, and grace. And we, we really were talking about the heart of this being that we want to help kids with all of this because we love them so much, and they were created for so much more, and we want them to have freedom and not be chained by you know what the world is saying, but also the things that take our attention away for hours. We just kind of lose track of time, right? And yeah. so to be able to communicate and drive home to our kids, to our students, that they're not alone and that we can start again. We can repent when we have maybe fallen or we messed up, uh, but that we will always be in their corner, yeah. a safe person to listen and to also remind them too that we we have moments too. Yep. I think that that's really key, Seidel. I think I want to emphasize in that having boundaries around technology, screens, phones, et cetera, is not about legalism. Mm -hmm. It's not about even morality in a certain sense. Like It has to be contextual. To This is about helping you mm -hmm. become and be formed into being 
more like Christ yeah. or less like Christ. And I think that, that there's often two sides of a spectrum with this conversation. Like I think there's sometimes I see examples of families where there's no boundaries at all and kids could do whatever they want on their phones. And then I think there's obviously real pitfalls there. I think I see other sides of the spectrum where it's so regimented and so over controlled mm-hmm. that students don't know the why, that they're not in those conversations. And then when they do mess up, because inevitably there's some sort of, I mean, for example, like it, it's well documented that over 90% of teens, especially male teens, are looking at pornography. Mm-hmm. That's just one example of something that could be done on a screen that is harmful or not beneficial or a sin. But what I feel like I notice is when it's only communicated, don't, 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 and you don't leave room to give the why or to be in those conversations with yeah. your students or to really make sure that they know that, hey, like mm-hmm. if and when you like make a mistake or you do something that you feel like you shouldn't have done or anything like that, like I love you, like mm-hmm. I am for you, I am with you. That is not an opportunity to for me to just shame you and make exactly. you feel bad and then yep. be like, oh, you shouldn't have done that and then right. whatever. Like mm-hmm. often what that does is actually keeps, I've seen this a lot actually in Christian homes and Christian students, it does I think it keeps them in shame yep. and hidden, and and then they learn actually worse habits mm-hmm. around lying and deceptiveness exactly. and, and really feeling down about themselves, yeah. having negative self-esteem uh, versus could we have interactions with students where there are set boundaries and we, right. we give those limits, but we also say, I don't expect you to be perfect, and I am not perfect, right. and we're going to like wrestle together and figure out how to be healthy and in this world that is all wild and crazy. Yeah. Put some more realistic expectation out yes, there versus yeah. this unrealistic, unattainable, I'm just going to fall anyway. And so I've got to get better at hiding this. Love. Yes. Like, I think a, a student has to feel like this is about you loving them, mm-hmm. that this is about you caring for them. And so when they mess up, like, man, I would so rather be there with a student in sin than have them just devoid it. Mm-hmm. Or, or them feel like they can't approach me about it. Uh, and I think sometimes we've believed the lie that us being there for in students in sin mm-hmm. uh, is endorsing it, and it's just not true. Mm. Yeah, it's just not true. It's not. Josh, I have to just say really quick, too, this is one of the reasons, like what you just said, is one of the many reasons that we are all so grateful that you are here at the helm of student ministries, yeah. uh, the way that you deeply care for your students and what you just said about I'd rather be right there with them in their sin <laughs> to work it out with them and help them to know they're loved in the middle of that. I mean, that's the Lord. That's who He is yes. to us. That, yes. That. And and to teach them to go to God in mm-hmm. those moments and not hide in shame and run. Because I think that's often what I was taught, you know, when I sin— God's farther away from me. He doesn't like me. Run away, etc. Versus, you know, like I made a mistake and I'm going to turn to you, Lord, and you're right there. Like you're right there for me. Yes. You're ready to redeem me. You're ready to forgive me. Mm-hmm. Man, how beautiful would it be if we taught our students to integrate mm-hmm. God in their mistakes so that they could find him yes. and healing. Oh, and it's gosh. not just about and right that, and wrong. The freedom in that, if that's yes. how could we could help kids to live yeah. into that, that would be amazing. Because I think, and maybe people listening, this might resonate for some people growing up. It was, you know, even in Christian homes, it was God knows. God knows what you're doing. He yeah. knows what you're yeah. thinking. He knows all of it. But it was not seen as a God knows all these things and he still loves you and he wants to go through this with you yeah. and he forgives you. It was more don't mess up. You know, this you've got a you've got a bar 
you know, to make sure that you are attaining to and, and otherwise, you know, God sees it versus, you know, we, we are loved by a mighty God who wants to be in the mess, in the trenches and wants us to know we're loved no matter what we do and no matter what we don't do. Yep. Yeah. And you can do both at the same time. Mm -hmm. You can can. set boundaries Mm -hmm. and you can set guidelines and you can say, this is for you. Exactly. This isn't, this isn't for anything other than this isn't about taking away your fun or me being mean or whatever. Mm -hmm. Like this is for your benefit. Yes. And then in that, if, if and when we fall short, my goal is to just help you be back in a place of benefit yes, and good exactly. and restoring you and helping you and ser- yep. loving you. Like, exactly. It isn't to condemn you. Right. Exactly. Those limits are love. Yes. And they're set there on purpose, very intentionally, in you know, God's way. And I think all of this is about helping kids to be able to live and learn, go through all of the highs and lows God's way. And if we can do that, we can point them to God's way. Yep. Um, together. To and also, too, as as a community, you know, that's another reason why we're doing what we're doing with this podcast uh, is reminding each other that this is a team effort. And how cool is it when we can have different adults pouring into our kids and sharing truth, sharing love, grace, and also our lives and sharing the humility around what we faced and that they're not alone. Big time. So... Lastly, we want to just share to you that being curious, listening, and involving our kids into the conversation of problem solving, what it might look like to have better health around our technology usage is important to Josh and I. <laughs> when you say Josh, I mean, we just, it's easy for us to maybe say, okay, you need to do this and this is why. But to be able to involve them as a team, to be able to say, hey, we value what you think of this. What do you think? You know, how often do we do that as parents yeah. or as caring yeah. adults? What it means to have a discernment to recognize what it means to have intention around what you look like, to recognize how to have, like to recognize that what you pay attention to uh, really influences you. I think uh, Mary Oliver says something to the extent of attention is the beginning of devotion. Mm. And so I think that when it comes to curiosity, what we're really trying to do is just be involved, like be a voice involved in the mess that is social media and devices and different things uh, and have, and have an active voice in those conversations. Yeah. Um, not just a voice that is either silent or apathetic or a voice that is only about rigidity, mm-hmm. but one that is about if you can equip your kid to have thoughtfulness and discernment around social media and honestly anything else, then you're setting them up long-term to be healthy and to be wise, and to be people who can follow Jesus on their own. And if we don't equip them with thoughtfulness or wisdom, and it's just rules, Mm -hmm. then that's all they're going to really see. Um, But I think what it takes to have that is to model it and also be in those conversations around, like, what did you see? And what are you noticing? And just, like, asking questions and being curious to help them think through, why might it be important for me to pay attention to what I look at and see and process? And how might that affect me? And how might that influence me? Yep. And if we don't, if we aren't that voice or that listening ear, someone else is. For sure. And there are a lot of voices out there. Too many. That can steer them a totally different direction. Just want you to know that we're with you. You're not alone in this. And there's a lot of hope. Yep, tons well. of hope. So thank yep. you, Josh. Yeah, thanks, Idol. This was fun. Yeah, it I'm was excited. fun. Let's do this again. Yep. All right. <laughs> Take care, everyone.